a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Racer X Podcast, Detroit Supercross Review. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized Fox dealer. Uh, we uh, appreciate those guys presenting this this podcast. Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, Jesse Wentland, just some of the guys that wear Fox. Global innovation leader in motocross racewear, and uh, they've got the new stuff out now, LE stuff. So go to your local dealer. Check them out. And, of course, uh, the Racer X Online podcast uh, go to racer x online check the archives if you want go to steve mathis show on itunes steve mathis classics on itunes there's um three volumes of classics so when you tweet me and say hey man i've never heard a podcast with jeff ward well because they're probably in the classics so uh we've done a ton of these shows and we thank everybody for listening all right detroit supercross review with me on the line first uh, my boss at racer x online the online editor he was not at detroit like me the voice of American motocross, Jason Wygant. Jason Wygant. Perfect. Yeah. He's on a roll. You've already started off well, Wygant. Uh, I just, just keep the line on mute. I'm doing that as a habit to cut back on background noise. I'm trying anything I can to improve your audio, which I know I've taken a lot of heat on lately. Well, yeah, let's, we can talk about that in the sense that uh, – we can no longer put up with it. Myself and, and Corey Moser can no longer put up with your poor audio. We think that being the way you are, uh, you're super cheap. You will not spend money on anything. So we have bought you a Panasonic cordless phone set that was yeah. ranked five stars on Amazon. Terrific reviews. Great. And we, we purchased it for you. Uh, myself and Moser, half the cost. And uh, you've done it, Wygant. Congratulations. This is how you... This is, you know, perfect. Yes, I've got a free, brand-new, high-end phone system for my home, thanks to you guys, which I didn't have to pay for. Right. So, suckers. <laughs> this is working out excellent for you. Um, yeah. Also on the line with me, uh, Fly Racing Zone, uh, Jason Thomas. He was at Detroit. What's up, JT? I was there. And uh, I have to say, read your plan, although... Um, I, I still don't think everyone has, has it figured out yet. Your plan was executed to perfection with this new phone. Uh, you basically annoyed everyone into spending money on you, therefore saving yourself money. So, mm-hmm. well done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to say that was the plan, but I, I don't know how I was able to rig a phone that worked to stop working and then sometimes start working and then stop well, working again. If I, if I could have figured that formula it's, it's okay. out. okay. But you never... You can, you can drop the facade. You can yeah. drop the facade. The phone's already bought. You never ran out to buy a new phone. Like, you never said, oh, maybe it is just the phone. Like, maybe it's the... Because, look, we... There's no way that phone that you use, your house phone, is worth more than $30. There's no way. No. I think it was uh, 1995. However, <laughs> it worked fine for the previous 103 podcasts. 
No, but Do you have to spin your spin the thing on your phone to give it like power on the side. Spin it up. It's a crank up. It's a rotary dial. Um, mm-hmm. Also on the line, he was uh, he was at Detroit for Pulpamex purposes. Uh, he's the he's the webmaster pull it, string puller behind the scenes of Pulpamex and Pulpamex show. Swiss Core, what's up, Swiss? Swiss Corner, Swiss Corner, Swiss Corner. Go now. You uh, you were sent. What is this? What is? What are you talking about? What, what is that? Swiss with two Z's. The only way we we knows. Um, Swiss Corner, you said. I've never heard of it. Yes, it's the corner I've been stuck right. in since Saturday night. You uh, you didn't get one interview after the race. Now we've been busting your balls on this on Twitter. And so, you know, basically I run around after the post-race podcast and Wygant does the same thing. And, and uh, we had Jordan Roberts from Racer X there uh, doing that same thing. And I'll give you that Detroit's a tough one. It's cold. The pits are, the trucks are all, everyone pits inside. But you didn't get one rider. No, not one rider. How does that the, happen? The, I knew it was going to be a bear just because I, I did Detroit last year. And it was tough, and I didn't have my kids with me. And then I did Indy before that, and that was tough because that was a cold race too. But this Saturday was the coldest yet, and my kids were with me. And I didn't want to use them as an excuse, but it definitely played into it. I I probably would have hung out longer if it weren't for them. Not one rider. Nobody. Swiss was very stressed. During the, during the race, he was already stressed. Yes. About about this situation. What's isn't there a isn't there a meme for you had one job? <laughs> yes. Can I can I get yeah. that meme and like I don't know if we could do anything with it. There's there's a ton of them out there. Swizz, you had one job. I expect plenty of them now. Oh. And even Jordan Roberts. It was tough. Uh we each Jordan got only four or five guys. Yeah, I mean, he only got the 450 podium guys. Uh, Bauer, who came from uh, next to last to fourth, and Josh Grant, who's making a comeback, and Mookie, who won the race. I mean, he only got basically every guy you would want to hear from. Yeah. That's all he did. Yeah, let's that's be, it. Let's be honest. Between Racer X and Pulpamex, it was a poor showing. Chase bowed out. It was. Jordan was busy. Swiss Core, we just covered, and you guys didn't show up. <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, Chase Dallo uh, had was supposed. To, it was supposed to be Chase and Jordan covering this. What we do is, Indy and Detroit are drivable for Morgantown, so they're not going to buy me a five hundred dollar plane ticket when two guys can get in the van for fifty bucks and go. So th- that's why I don't go to those races. And then Chase decided he had a magazine story to do, and he's like, "Ah, we'll be fine." Um, but. Sometimes these mid-season races, not much goes on, but then Hill is out in practice. Uh, JTU got the mysterious made-up tweet about Roxon being out, uh, which turned out to not be true. Uh, then this yellow flag, red flag thing. A lot of stories to chase. Um, so guess what, Chase? Someone's going to the races from now on. Chase did not chase any of the stories. Chase did not no. stories. Uh, we're texting back and forth at like 1 in the morning. He's like, damn, I really wish we had somebody there. And I'm thinking, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> um, uh, first of all, uh, what was up with that tweet? What happened to that? What, what was going on with that? Do we want to talk uh, about he, that or no? He, he, no, he made it. One of my buddies just made it, like on with an app. So it was, it was never anything real. He was so somebody totally, somebody made up an app a, a tw- that looks like a tweet from Racer X that said Kenny Roxon's out for the night with food poisoning. Right. Yep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, I I agree. 
That's what we're length are going to to win fantasy. So he basically did that just to send it to you to F your fantasy team over. Right? Exactly, yes, yes. We're in we're in high competition and he was well, he also knows that I'm in contact with you guys. I'm you know what I mean? So he's he's trying to get a rise on me on different levels. Um mm. but yeah, it was uh it was it was definitely taking it to the extreme as far as uh a way to, to up the ante. Right, right. Um, all right, let's, t- let's talk about the race a little bit here. So, yeah, uh, Dungey wins. Wait, no, he doesn't. Ryan rode great. Uh, he crushed it. The track looked like it got tough and, uh, and fell apart pretty quick and slick. But um, after the race, Dunge penalized two spots for jumping on the Red Cross. Now, people I talked to since the race said that there were more than just Ryan Dungey jumping in that spot. Uh, JT, what do you what do you see? Did you did you see Ryan do it, and, and what did you hear about it? Well, I I can definitely empathize with Ryan because where the flag was, he couldn't really see it, and it comes back to the same old story we've had about you know we don't have the same flaggers every week, and and there's a lot of turnover and and not a lot of you know instruction and and many things when you have flaggers that are changing, ever changing, you're not going to get consistency, so. I think Ryan was right in the fact that he couldn't see it, and by the time he could see it, it was way too late. So you're going to penalize him two slots over something that was really, really marginal as far as whether he did anything different than anyone else. Um, and if, if you're going to penalize him, then then uh, the two guys that were moved up, Marvin and Jason, actually jumped as well, like they didn't roll. Mm-hmm. So I think it was uh, – I, I would have to agree with Ryan, and I know from talking to people that were still there with that late that Ryan was very, very upset to the extent that there were a lot of uh, a lot of harsh things and a lot, a lot of loud voices being thrown around. Um, he was clearly very, very uh, displeased with not only the penalty but the level of flagging, and that he would be penalized for um, basically what he viewed as. as um, you know their their lack of ability and consistency to do their job right. You know, I, I think wow. his his feeling was that it, why would he be penalized because the flaggers can't get it right? You know, he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to abide by the rules. But if you have flaggers that don't know what they're doing and they're flagging at the wrong time, the wrong spot, don't mm-hmm. give them notice. Well, why is he going to be penalized in spots I- five points and probably a hundred grand when it's all said and done? Yeah, we. I'm pretty surprised that they did this. Like. Well, it's never happened ever. I mean, that's a guaranteed surprise. It is never. I remember the last time we had a controversy, I think, similar to this was uh, St. Louis uh, 2013. When Villapoto won, uh, and there was a yellow and a red cross flag out on the same jump at the same time, which is uh, like a traffic light giving you all three lights at once. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, But I remember after that one, uh, James Stewart got passed by Villapoto in that section. And Stu's people were like, that was red flag racing, that's illegal. And I said, yeah, but it doesn't matter. You know they're not going to do anything about it. They will never take the win away from someone after the race has already happened. Yeah. Well, they fought 40 years of Supercross, it happened. Yeah. Now, Swisscore, did you see anybody else jump on over that table or onto that table? Uh, are you talking about the red flag? Or the yeah. Red? Yeah. I didn't, but Zach, uh, my buddy that was with me, he said he was he knew it when I when we were on our way home and you're you guys are talking about the 
the protest, uh, he's like, yeah, I was watching that thing right there. He's like, he's not the only one that jumped on it. They were all jumping on it. And he's like, it yeah. was just like JT said, it was in the corner and nobody could tell it was too soon. I mean, I put this tweet out yesterday and I stand by it. Like, uh, okay, like he did wrong and he probably deserved to be docked. But um, I'm sure other people did it. They don't really enforce it as much as they should. And the, I see atrocious flagging every weekend, all the time from everybody. Right, JT? I mean, it's a real problem that nobody talks about. Well, yeah, and, and, and honestly, until we have the same guys every weekend, which, you know, looking back, it's the same problem we had with the NFL. Um, the guys aren't paid much. So how can you expect to have the same guys week in and week out with a travel schedule and all that? So you're going to get less than optimal flagging, you know. And unfortunately, <clears throat> it affects two things, safety being the most important. Uh, flaggers can really prevent big injuries and, and things going sideways. And obviously for Ryan Dunchy this weekend, it affected the result. So. Wow. Yeah, it, it's – I'm surprised they did anything. There's no way Ryan, you know, saw that gain an advantage. Um, there probably was other people doing it, and it's pretty ballsy for them to to pick Ryan out. But now the guy was standing on the inside. Like, do you th- did you watch? Go back and you didn't show it on TV, but Chad certainly uh, slammed his brakes on. So, so there was a point. The AMA had a point where you could see the flag because Chad saw it. Well, and I. It goes back to what I texted. I actually texted uh, you guys in our group text earlier in the night. There was a there was an incident where a guy was down a rhythm section, and the medic flag was on the small jump, kind of in between. And I guarantee you, there's no way that the guys could see it. You know, if you're gonna be holding the medic flag and expect guys to abide by that, the rule that applies, you've got to be in a spot where you can see him clearly. If you're gonna penalize something as severe is what Ryan just went through. I mean, a win's a big deal, not only financially, but for the, the factory and, and points-wise and all that. Yeah, That's got to be something that's got to be taken very, very seriously and executed properly for the medic flag, because if he's not in a spot where Ryan can clearly see him, I can expect him to, to in the middle of a main event, pull up and not jump something, you know, even just right. a small double, you have to basically lock up the brakes when you have that much momentum. And if you can't well, see it early enough, you can't. Like, uh, it's easy for me to say because I'm not the one on the track, but the flaggers have to put themselves in some danger many times that they don't do. As far as running across the track or or they're standing on the face of a jump, like too many of them just stand off, you know, off to the side and kind of wave their flag. Like, Well, and you have to get in, into the rider's line of sight. That's well, that's just it. Thing. And that that's a little yeah. dangerous, though, which I understand, well, but you're flagging. I, I agree with you, but it doesn't have to be always. You just right. have to put yourself in the mind, and most of these guys haven't ever been in that situation. I get it. But riders have such tunnel vision during a main event. Like, I don't think right. that they appreciate the tunnel vision that these guys are in. They're only looking at their line. And what they're trying, you know, they're basically in this robot mode where they're just trying to perfect their line and, and right. race. They're not looking around and looking off the side of the track and seeing if there's a guy down or if there's a medic flag. They're looking forward, you know. So it's really, really tough if you're not right in his line of sight to, to right. not only see it but to actually do anything about it. Weege, I thought it was interesting in that everything that we hear behind the scenes, it was Yamaha who brought this to the attention of the, the officials and not Rockstar Husky and not, of course, Marvin Muskan, you know, who also benefited from this. Like, it's a real conflict of interest. And, 
you know, Rockstar's in the future, Rockstar's not going to say anything. No, but I think in the end, uh, we're finding out this basically kind of happened, to use the term organically. I mean, I think it was just a section that maybe the officials were already alerted to. Uh, I mean, this wasn't everything was fine, and then all of a sudden um, the Yamaha team came up, you know, it was Reed's team is what the Yamaha team is, and, like, put a gun to their head and said, look at this. I mean, I think they were already looking into it and already thinking about it, right? They had already – it was – all the Yamaha did, I think, was just tip them off that this might be a problem. Wow. Is, correct? I, I don't the know. The Yamaha did not yeah. officially protest. Let's put it that way. No one officially protested from what I heard. Yeah, but yeah. They, they merely tipped them off. But, yeah, I mean, even if you look at Anderson's reaction on Instagram uh, yesterday, he just said, I didn't really win, but I won. Like, <laughs> Anderson and Rockstar Husky are not like, yeah, Dungey, suck it. You cheated. Right, right. Yeah, it's yeah. just. It's this just... did not affect the outcome of the race. Absolutely not. And I feel for Dungey in that aspect is that he absolutely would have won no matter what, jump or not jump. It, it's irrelevant in that. So it, it, it's a bummer on that end because I don't think. From everything we've ever seen from Dungey, he's not the one that's going to take a chance like that or put himself in harm's way or anyone else in harm's way. So to take a win away, man, that's a that's a pretty strong line for AMA to take or FIM or whoever's well, making the call. This is this is a big precedent. Like there's going to be binoculars out now, right? That's what's going to happen. Yeah. These teams are going to be like, all right, cool. And you know what? They're going to find, in my opinion, they'll find a shit ton of dudes. Who do not get penalized? That probably should. Well, look at look at the uh, and and Chad Reed's post this morning. That was in the heat race. Mm-hmm. Uh, or was it? Yeah, it was in the uh, in the heat or the semi. Uh, I believe it was in the heat where Josh Grant and Jason Anderson are going at it. Yeah, and they're like jumping in the face and clipping things <laughs> and trying to yeah skirt by every every inch of the rule that they can because it's such a gray area, you know. And they they did nothing about that. Absolutely yep. nothing. And then they're going to take away the win from the actual main event. I mean, that's, no. that's a really, really strong line to take. Swiss score, there could be a job for you with the FIM AMA with some binoculars and finding everybody that jumps. Involving a TV? Just involving, yeah, just looking for everybody. I think the the, the scare, one of the scariest things about this is the dominant as Dungey's been already and hearing from JT on how livid he was about this result after the race. He's he's gonna have a fire in his belly like we've never seen before. Wow. Well, yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. It, it's it's pretty amazing um that they did it. That they did anything about it. Um it wasn't a pass for the lead. It wasn't you know any Dungey was probably already checking out by that point and I'm surprised they did anything, Wygant. I'm really surprised and we'll see what goes from here. Here's my question. Um and JT you probably know this as well as anyone. What is the actual definition of that uh, red cross? You cannot clear a jump or your wheels have to remain on the ground? Because that's essentially what Chad is arguing here, that he's saying you're supposed to, your wheels are supposed to remain on the ground, and Anderson passed ground in that heat race by basically doing 99% of the double but not clearing it cleanly. What is the definition of the red cross? From what I, was, I always remember as a racer, it was you can't jump anything, like actually double right. or tri- especially triple. But I know yeah. that the wheels down thing, and and from what I remember, the wheels down thing was more of an outdoor, uh, the Lucas Oil Pro Cross Championship rule. Uh, yeah. On the first lap yep. of every practice, there's a wheels down yep. rule. You can't jump anything. The super, for Supercross, I've never heard the wheels down thing before. So I don't know. You know, I, I read Chad's post, and I don't know if he's if he's mistaking the two the two terminologies. 
because we obviously have two different people running the riders' meetings. Does that make sense? <laughs> but I've well, heard the, the wheels down thing at every outdoor, and I don't remember hearing it at Supergrow. What's that, Weech? Yeah, I don't know if it was the wheels on the ground. Because here's the thing. like, So Chad's putting up a shot of Anderson catching and passing Grant by basically going faster with the clipping of the jumps. He still did not clear any of the jumps, but he jumped, like I said, 99% of them. So I guess in this case with Dungey, they're saying Dungey jumped onto a table. That's completing a jump. Um, clipping a double is not completing a jump, and jumping onto a tabletop is. So I would suppose that's what they're saying the difference is in these situations. Yeah, it's. Uh, I understand that there's no wheels on the ground in Supercross. And the red flag means you cannot jump anything as far as clearing anything. That's I don't what, think you could. Could you negotiate a Supercross track literally without getting any error under the wheels? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the, 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 here, probably. I've got the definition here if you want me to read it. Yes. Uh, this flag or a red flashing light may be displayed at the beginning of a triple jump or a series of jumps. The rider's underlined here must roll each jump individually with no passing and exercise extreme caution until the area of concern Mm -hmm. is passed. Okay. So there was no rolling going on in those posts that Chad showed. Um, But, again, that that happens every – What is the definition of rolling? Like Anderson is going to say, I rolled it. I did not clear a double. Yeah. Well, again, this to take a win away like this for for you know in in, in non controversial sense of that, that that didn't affect the race one way or another. Like I get it. Like if if, if the pass is made, um, you know, by Dungey or or he makes up a ton of time or whatever. But this is going to open up a whole can of worms, and uh, hopefully, this is brutal. It's brutal when it had zero bearing on the race. Well, yep. Zero. No. Hopefully, they're if you ready. Ask, yeah. If you ask Marv and if you ask Anderson. Oh, he jumped on the tabletop. You would have beat him otherwise, and they'd be like, they'd laugh at you. Right. You know? Right. It's just so brutal in that aspect. It's been a tough year for these guys. It's been a tough year, and now we're going to have more and more uh, guys spotting and watching and videotaping everything and everybody, and I think they're going to watch a parade of dudes going in there saying, penalize this guy, penalize that guy. So. Hey, Swiss. Um, I, I think it, I honestly, sorry, I didn't mean to jump in. It, I think it's going to be, do more harm than good, just what you're saying. I think it's going to open a can of worms that they necessarily don't want open. Right. Hey, Swiss, uh, you're not regularly on our pod, so uh, Detroit was the first Supercross you went to um, in person. What impressed you, or who impressed you? Obviously, outside of Donji, uh, but what else caught your eye? 450 class. Uh, definitely uh the line that uh, JT pointed out of Marvin doing that wheel tap and then uh, in qualifying before Brayton went down in the whoops when he was jumping all the way out of that corner over the table to downside the single after it. That was huge. Before the finish? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, hey, what? so what happened to uh, – did Tomac just get a bad start, JT? Is that, is that it? Yeah, but he really didn't have – much for those guys either. Um, we saw in the heat race, you know, Dungey kind of ran away from them. Uh, I, I honestly think he wouldn't have beaten those guys anyway. I think maybe he, he could have had something for Chad, possibly. But the other three, they were just better than him, I think, in the main event. And Kennard won the heat race again, which is great, but another bad start. Yeah, and then bad start, which we've seen. Yep. And then uh, he the, got into a tag big time. I saw that, yeah. Ended up going down. Right. Yeah, yeah, which filled over into the after race uh, event. They they were really really getting into it in the tunnel there. For what? Uh, Why would would Trey mad? Well, Trey ran Baggett like 
typical block pass, you know, no big deal. Right. And then uh, Baggett basically returned the favor in the next turn after the uh, main Supercross triple. Then it came across the start, and I watched it, and Trey, I can understand Trey's frustration. You know, Baggett basically pushed him into the bail, you know, and, and Trey didn't back out of it, and maybe he should have, maybe he shouldn't have, but well, it was uh, it was definitely aggressive, and he left him no room, and Trey obviously crashed really hard because of it, and he was not pleased. I from watching it on TV, I saw nothing wrong for Blake. He just moved over. He ducked, ducked to the inside, you know? Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. But at the same right. time, I think Trey is like, hey, man, you really put me in danger there. You know, there's there's ways to make safe walk past it, not. And all, all, honestly, all I could think of is as the many things that Trey was saying without actually cursing, the golly bejeebers and dadgummit and things he was saying to bag it. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, to me, I mean – yeah, it wasn't that cool what Baggett did, but you know Trey's got to re- shut it up, shut it down and be like, I don't have it. You know he's got me. So, yeah, I think that's fair yeah. too. Um, Roxon Swiss Roxon just looked kind of not so good all day. Don't know what really yeah. went on. Honestly, um, Roxon never even really entered my field of vision or radar until on the way home and I, when I realized that I hadn't really paid any attention to him all day because he just kind of looked like another one of the guys left in that night. And you know what I noticed? You know what I noticed on Roxon is uh, he crashed in the first the first uh, untimed crash in the loop. And I saw him as he was bouncing off the top of the board on and off in that first untimed one. He went down in the loop and then he was never the same guy again. And, and I think I touched on that in the on the Pulp Show on the live folk show on uh, Saturday night. But, man, he just was never the same guy. And I don't know if it was a mental thing or that he was unhappy with the bike or maybe he heard something, which I, I don't think so. But he kind of lost that confidence with that crash, and he, he just never saw him at the front again. You know, Trey Trey kind of put it to him in that heat race. And then, uh, yeah, really, there was nothing to it after that. I mean, he was never um, – was it him and Trey in the heat? I may be confused on that, but – um, yeah, he, he was, was just yeah, never he was in, in there. Yeah, yeah, well, he was just never yeah, in the fight right. the rest of the night. He was never a factor. Uh, Swiss is getting me in trouble too on Twitter because he was upset with Jeff Alessi, but I guess Jeff's seat was broken or something. I don't know if that was but true. Why but why do you need the seat for the whoop? You don't sit in the whoop. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. But Swiss was running Pulpamex at Twitter, and some people are not happy because Jeff Alessi was once again riding. Outside of the whoops. Listen, this is not the first time he's done this. Mm-mm. So if they want to be upset, no, then I know. they need to take it up with Anaheim 2 and the other rounds he's done right. And I would challenge you to give me a reason why you need a seat in the whoop section anyway. Right. So, <laughs> is, is that no, not I, I have, the I have highest level of Supercross in this sport? I mean, if, if you don't got it in you to, to circulate the track for 20 laps and stay on the track, well, there's got to be a rule added to get rid of those guys. Well, there. Well, like Kyle, if, you, if you're going to go on the concrete around a section of the track yeah. more than two times, no, you should never do it. You got to no. be black flag. No, you should never do it. Those guys are three laps down. And look, yeah, I mean, Kyle White, Kyle, Kyle White, first main event ever, and I get that. Like, I, I can understand uh, the basically newness to that situation. But man, just go. If, if you're worried about getting away, just go in the not in the main line and roll the roll through them. You know what I mean? You can't go jump around. jump through them. Jump jump through them. Yeah, you're in the main event in the Premier class, and, and, you know, pardon my judgment here, but the Premier Series in the world at the moment, you know, up, up against what it's up against. And for Supercross, this is as good as it gets, mm. you know? So 
you're in the best class against the best riders and currently running the best series in the world, you know, outdoors is going on right now. So if you can't even, you know, traverse uh-huh. the loops, don't be they're, out there. They're three laps down, man. Pull them in. You're done. You're three down. Well, you know? I'm, I'm fine with being however many laps you got to be, but just ride the course. <laughs> that to me looks made, like you made a, like event. a quarterback you made a event. in the NFL getting chased for a sack, and instead of accepting the sack, he runs into the tunnel and goes to the locker room. Yeah, it. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It's tough. It's tough. Um, by the if way, you have no seat. I get it. Yeah. go to the go to the pit. No, go to the pit. Yes, yeah, no. you're done. Yeah. Um, we uh, Giuseppe would like a word with you about the Premier Series comment. Just call him afterwards. After we're done here. No, that was me, but I'll take it. No, he I said. Can, he can call oh, oh, did I say Swiss? Yeah, JT, I meant. Uh, Giuseppe would like a word with you. Um, sure. Weege, uh, I'll, I'll direct him to Ben Stanley. Uh, Weege, uh, four flats in two weeks, three Dunlops and a Pirelli. I don't know if I saw four flats in Supercross in my entire mechanicing career of 11 years. And we have four flats in uh, two weeks. Well, last week, Hampshire, and I don't know if he knows for sure, but he claims that it happened in the first turn crash with a foot peg. And then maybe the way it was sliced, maybe they know that for sure. So I, if that's true, uh, you can take that one out. Um, but still, even just two bikes going on stands, Baggett and Brayton this weekend, it's a bizarre sight. And I know listening to your show with uh, Antonovich there on Saturday night, that became a huge talking point. Um, but here's the thing. It's very easy as those flats are happening for everyone to be like, this is so dumb. Why aren't they running mooses? But I, they, maybe now they start looking into it, but they didn't even have the symptom until those bikes went up on stands during the main of, uh-oh, this might be a problem here. Well, I, I wonder so, about the Hampshire comment, though, to be honest. What, what is he? Is he he's, he saw the, t- the foot peg go into the tire? I mean, I'm not even sure he can know that. That's what I mean. Sure. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, like and right. honestly, these tire guys are such whack jobs. Um, that they could be telling the riders anything they want. Do you know what I mean? And it could be true, but I'm just saying, these guys right. are so protective. Goggles and tire people. Oh, oh my goodness. Right. Yeah, just put them in an octagon yeah, and let them fight it out. Exactly. So um, David Villeman in his call on Pulp MX that I've yet to post has some strong feelings about tires and pressure. And oh, here else. we go. <laughs> here we go. But, but I, know, I know on the Pirelli end, um, and I, I have no idea what happened with Dunlop, but I know on the Pirelli and there was uh, some sort of slashing, like a, a rock slashed the sidewall. Did you see it? Um, Did you see it? Yeah, because obviously my ties to the BTO KTM team. Um, you saw the slash in a sidewall? Yeah. Yeah, there was something, and I, I'm pretty sure I w- if I had to guess, I would say it was exactly the same thing that happened to Baggett. Um, and that happens in these races is that there's a rock, an exposed rock, and it'll be in, in the side of a rut if that makes sense, and it'll catch the sidewall in this rut. And it'll just, as you go through it, it's almost like Mad Max with its, you know, with its wheels. It just uh, slashes the sidewall, and, and the sidewalls are vulnerable parts of the tire, you know, because you want to have different thicknesses on the sidewall to have some flex there. So um, I don't know for sure. I'm not a tire engineer, but if I had to guess, a rock was definitely the culprit. Okay. Well, if you saw it, then I then I believe it. But yeah, I I, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I was in yeah. the truck after the race. I would not go by the tire guys telling you, oh, they got a rock, a flip, like you know what I mean. No, like, no, no. Yeah, these guys and, are. And I'm not disagreeing with what DV would say about pressures and all that yeah. because honestly, I'm I don't I'm not an expert on tires, but I have been around this stuff enough to know when, that when a tire is exposed like that, 
you you tend to see multiple flats likely well, to be. Super weird for sure. Three one Pirelli, three Dunlops in two weeks, and uh, and like honestly, well, we've had two of, two of the rockiest races too. Like Toronto, I don't know how much you walk in the track of Toronto, but it was incredibly rocky. Well, it, yeah, but they're they're, and, they're uh, rocky every year. You know, we just yeah, don't see but it, it, so. it, Toronto was it's it was extra rocky. Rocks. I mean, really, really bad. And then uh, Detroit was rocky, not not the rockiest I've ever seen, but there were definitely rocks in it. So. Mm. Uh, what, what is your argument here, Mathis? What are you trying to say? Like the track's rocky every year, that they screw something up? Are you saying the tire guys screwed something up? No, what, I'm, what, I'm saying like I'm saying I, I'm I'm not with DV in the fact that he's a little bit uh, very strong about this. But you've seen photos. We've all seen photos. These guys are running super low pressures with sand tires, and the tires are folding because they're trying to get the maximum amount of rubber onto the track. And well. So the tires I can are, you, I can, hold on, the tires are just okay. folding weege and they're running flat on the times because they're trying to get the maximum grip they can and the pressures are lower than they've ever been. And, I, and I've, I've talked to uh, Brian Fleck at Dunlop, that's, that's true. Uh, in the last five, six years, this is a new trend. So Yeah, and Steve, just to make your point, I don't know if I'm arguing or making your point for you, but I know that in 2009, 2010, and 2011, I ran uh, 10 and a half pounds every race and i never had a flat so yeah. i don't think it's just that no 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 yeah exactly if you saw the tire and getting slashed then great that's what it is you know but um it, it does seem pretty pretty funny but honestly like jt and you would know better but i've seen guys do it like don't pull in the pits just double what you can you know do what you can out there no sense pulling in it's it's ridiculous i think if you're in a in a point situation like if, if it's Ryan Dungey or Roxon or someone, I, I I think it's worth doing because you can still get 16th or 17th and every point counts. But yes, if you're Baggett or someone, just take it to the house, you know. Or just keep riding. We'll see in Santa just, Clara. Just keep riding. No, just, you can't you though. You can't on on a flat tire in Supercross. You will kill yourself. Uh, I don't literally. know about that. If you just circulate slowly, I, me, I, I might you, I may have some experience with it. You do some double. Yeah, you can't you can't jump. Like the tire has not. It will literally like. Uh, I, I would highly, highly on a four fifty uh, four stroke. You can you can slowly double stuff and ride around the outsides, and you know just kind of keep it circulating because you're do, you're two laps down. You know I don't know if, if you go want to ride down. around. If you want to ride around without jumping anything, then go for it. But if you want to actually try to jump things, I would I would not suggest doing that. Well, pulling in isn't the answer either. You're two laps down. It's over. It's over, Johnny. These teams just overthink okay. stuff. They just God. They just well, over. It, what would you say is going to end up? with a better result, riding around and not jumping one jump on the track or pulling in and changing a wheel. So uh-huh. I think they're probably about the same. Well, I guess, yeah, we'd have to see. We have to do a test. Um, all right, what else? Uh, I, we thought Seeley and Anderson came together in the main event. Thank God Seeley just missed his break when he faced that jump. So, uh, Swizz, what Swizz, what do you think of Josh Grant? Is that we just found? That's JT's. What do you think of uh, Josh Grant? I thought he looked good. Um, definitely looked like he lost some of his fire when uh, he did that uh, ankle in the heat race. Or, yeah, the heat race. But uh, I, I'd say that he he fulfilled his expectation coming out of Daytona. I did find it a, a little bit of poetic justice that uh, Jake Weimer is the one that uh, took him out in the, the main event. Oh, why? What happened? Uh, that's when uh, that one red cross flag that uh, yeah, but Chad what what happened to cause it? 
Jake lost the front coming out of that turn. Oh, and okay. And it, it pushed, and it pushed, like, instead of pushing away from him, his his back spun around, and it continued to push across the face of the jump, and it brought him right into where Josh was coming. Oh, geez. Well, you know, J- J- Josh was a better pick for that for that spot. So if you watch uh, yeah, Chad's Instagram, you have a great great video of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was it on TV then? So it was on TV. Was there a video of Chad's? No, I think it was Chad's Chad's race video. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Because I don't remember seeing it on TV. Um, it may have been actually Josh Grant's race video. Somebody's race video. <laughs> Somebody's race video. Yeah. The. Uh, what else? Oh, Phil Nicoletti. Why again? If you listen to the to the show we did with Antonovich, uh, Phil was eleventh, yeah. and he had come on earlier with us during the show right after the semi. And he was excited, oh, yeah. and we were like, you're, you're 11th, Phil. You, you're going to have your best finish ever. And literally 30 seconds after we say that, they come around, and Phil's picking his bike up with three laps to go. Yeah, you guys couldn't have had a better, you know, having the show go full circle, like an episode of Seinfeld, where you introduce his character, uh, you try to get him on the phone, then you actually do. You even get J-Bone on at one point um, to talk about how beat up Phil is. And then Phil actually led a little bit. What was that, in the semi? Yeah, in the semi, yeah. Um, so he had his highs and lows. You're making fun of him. He's having a breakthrough. And then the, for the show to end with uh, him <laughs> crashing with, what, two laps to go or something. Yeah. The last I lap. Mean, the last lap. Last lap. No, oh, it's three laps. Lap. Three laps to go. No, 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 no. No, no. The last lap. I was watching it because I tweeted about it. Is the last lap of the race. He crashed in the turn. But see, we ran him high, and he tipped over. The last lap of the race. Poor Phil. Like, yeah, yeah it, it's – uh. It's one of those things. We feel bad. He, he was in 11th place. He was in 11th place. No, he's in 11th, yeah. Like, Man, that's yeah. awesome for Phil and doing great. And then Seeley had come from the back and was passing him in the whoops, and Phil just completely didn't see him get the run up the inside, ran up high, and just fell down the berm. And I was like, oh, you poor Phil. The anvil. <laughs> the anvil will fall on Phil. And yep. then, of course, he couldn't get his bike started and lost all kinds of spots. It was just <laughs> typical Phil. Ah. Uh, Braden looked good all day. What about that? What about until he had that? Until he got that flat, of course. But what about that tough block? Did you see that Swiss score on his Instagram? Yeah, because uh, the two laps before that, JT had pointed out to me that he was jumping that thing before the finish all the way over. Uh-huh. So I had my phone out, all ready to record him doing it again, and that's when he hit that tough block in the whoops, and he was done. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. Check out his Instagram. It's like the hand of God just pushes this tough block. <laughs> That's what I told him in the semi. I'm like, who are you mean to? Did you did you uh, insult an old lady, or did you kick a dog, or what happened here? It's just that's not normal. It, have you ever seen that, JT? Uh, I mean, obviously it was teetering and fell, but man, what bad timing! Wygant <laughs> <laughs> was probably so pissed. I was like, okay. Hey, would he have held off um, without the flat? I think he had the flat on like the 14th lap. Was he going to hold Reed off, or was there a battle coming there? I mean, Reed was close. Oh to the yeah, line. no, he had checked out on Reed. He was actually trying to catch, uh, trying to catch the top three there. He wasn't far off. I think wow. if Marvin, if he had still been there and Marvin had fell, he probably would have got third. Wow. Yeah. Yep. He's um, starting to come on. He, he, he had yes. covered though. For yeah. Question. Anton told me uh, that he thought he thinks that Justin's looking for a Supercross-only deal next year. So that's interesting. I thought should be should be interesting yeah. to see. So I haven't heard that. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe. I mean he's better at Supercross than, than indoors. There's no doubt. Yeah, but it's tough to. It's, man, you really have to be. Yeah, elite. We we know that. Yeah, that Supercross-only deal is tough 
tough to come by. Yeah, it looks like Weimer might be out with a separated shoulder, although he told me that it's happened before and there's been no damage uh, done, so he's hoping that's the case again. But that, that, that's, that sucks for, for, for Jake, no doubt. He should talk to uh, Cartwright because that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life was Cartwright. <laughs> yeah, explain that. So, John, on the start of, I don't know if it was B or C practice, they, you know, these guys are, they think it's a race in practice, and they all just battle it out into the first turn here in practice. And, of course, you know, somebody goes down. It's, it's Josh Cartwright, who's made a couple main events in a row here, which is awesome for him. Uh, crashes, dislocates his shoulder noticeably. And he's, he, takes his, he gets his shirt off, his jersey off, and he's running around chasing Feld, Flaggers, and, and Dig Dug, who we've talked about a lot, trying to get someone to put the shoulder back in. <laughs> and it was I compared it to, like, World War Z where he's, and these guys are running away from him because I'm, I guarantee you someone what, from Feld is yelling, like, stay away from him. You know, that's, you're not a doctor. But he's chasing these people around with no jersey on with his shoulder visibly out. Like, you could see his shoulder is out of place. It was uh, an interesting moment in Supercross history, that's for sure. <laughs> that, sounds, that actually sounds pretty funny. Um, all right, let's take a commercial. One turn, oh. basically, all weekend. What? It was what? He made it through one turn. Basically all weekend, right? I think it was in the first timed one, so he may have gotten a couple of practice. Oh, okay. He so, made it through, un- yeah. through untimed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when um, AC shoulder came out in Toronto a couple years ago? It came out in practice. They fixed it, and then it came out again. I think during the main. Was it a heat race? No, or the main heat. When it came out again. Heat, heat race. And you could see him looking around on the infield trying to figure out where are those guys, where are those guys that put it back in, where are they? Like literally deciding where to park the bike and pull off the track based on yeah. where he could find a medic to put it back in. <laughs> yeah, and then did, and when he got it put back in, wasn't there somebody upset about it or something because he got medical assistance, right? And then he jumped on back on the bike. <laughs> wasn't it something like that? I don't know. Yeah, that's the picture I don't remember. And then, and then that was when Villapoto was on his deathbed or something. I don't know. Didn't practice all day and then got a sixth. And I remember Villapoto telling a certain rider that's still out there right now uh, for opening ceremonies, I'm on all kind, I'm on all sorts of stuff right now. <laughs> I'm on all sorts of stuff right now. Um, <laughs> he just left the hospital. Yeah. All right, let's take a commercial break here. Listen to this commercial uh, from uh, Race Tech Suspension. Use the code PULPAMEX16 to save with those guys in Michelin Starcross 5. Brand new tire out. And uh, hopefully uh, Michelin Starcross 5, uh, you check them out. And um, we'll be right back here on the Racer X Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Race Tech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Race Tech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you... And probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Race Tech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Race Tech Privateer Proven, they work with uh, Ben Lim- also, they're back with Ben LeMay, and uh, they offer a full line of Race Tech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. 
You want to save 10% at uh, Racetech? Go to PulpMX2015. When you order, you can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, on the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension and tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire they cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out at the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back. RacerX Podcast, Detroit Supercross Wrap-Up Ford Field, uh, presented by Fox Racing, Foxhead.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk some 250s here. So... 250 class, the big news, uh, uh, Justin Hill. God, did you guys, uh, the Supercross Live only caught the end of his crash. Did you guys uh, see the whole thing, JT or Swiss? Yeah, we I were watching it. I didn't see um, the whole thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I did uh, tell JT right after he had landed. He, he, he pretty, it was dirty. He went face first pretty much into where the berm starts to come up in the corner. Right. And as soon as he hit, you could tell that there was a force there. I mean, it looked like more of a head impact than we saw with Stu at A1. And I was just like, that. there's no way he's going to race tonight because he stops so fast. Dude, that is that is a uh, – that is this... Was that a real tweet about him trying to leave with other people's clothes and stuff? I don't know. Where, what was Did that? Did you see that, that Instagram? That was from his dad. Uh, that was from his dad. dad. Was yeah. that legitimate? What's his dad? Probably. Uh, probably. <laughs> I believe it. That's scary then. I, I still don't understand why. A while later, too. Short when it was 30, 29 degrees outside. Why he was wearing shorts? But oh, he tried to get Mackle, he tried to get Mackelrath's uh, shorts. Yeah, tried to put Mackelrath's shorts on someone else's shoes and then his mom's jacket. <laughs> he tried to leave <laughs> with all those things well, on. Some of us like to wear shorts, JT, a lot. But uh, <laughs> Weege, this is all playing perfectly into Marty's hands. Watch out, Mookie! Watch out, Mookie! This weekend. 
it's uh, quite incredible. I mean, this has turned into, I think, 2007. Uh, Tuesday East was crazy. That's when Dunge had, like, anything that could possibly go wrong go wrong. Town they DNS round one and then came back to win the title. I think that was the year Ryan Morris was in it as well. That was the most up-and-down, unpredictable, nutty I can remember. But this is going to give it a run for its money. I mean, dude, Mookie was riding with the torn jersey and went to the mechanics area twice last week. And a lot of people, I think, were like, oh, man, Daytona, he's just not in good enough shape. And here he is now sitting on the a comparatively huge points lead. Seven points is huge. The way yeah. This is yeah, this is uh, this is turning out to be a wacky series. Uh, J- JT, when it comes to J-Mart, um, what happened? Uh, it just crashes, you know. And it's funny, I had a conversation with somebody earlier in the day about how J-Mart seemingly had, had kind of rid himself of his pre, uh, pre-2016 demons. You know, early in the season, he had not qualified for multiple races and then he'd come back and be on the podium and, and it really had, had kind of derailed his, any championship hopes in previous seasons and he seemed like he'd figured it out mentally or just matured into a rider that didn't have those things befall him and then lo and behold we run into Detroit and he's crashing and multiple times and uh, you know lost a bunch of points to the lead so uh, maybe we were premature in that assessment but man he looked like the J-Mart that we saw at Indianapolis um, now, I'm not sure if that was last year, the year four, and the you know Atlanta, uh, Dallas meltdowns where he didn't qualify. Uh, but man, you just cannot have races like that okay, and, but, and expect to come out away with a title. Now let's let's recap. So he crashed in the first turn, right? Right. And then was his? Did he pull in the mechanics area, or he crashed again? He lost the front end I, again. I did not. Yeah, I didn't see him pull in the mechanics. I saw him crash again though. Okay, so he. He just crashed twice. Like my point is, is like okay that the, when he lost the front end in the second crash, I mm-hmm. still think like he should have got higher than thirteenth. No, like was it was he down for a while? Did the bike I think not he start? May have crashed three times even? Okay, like, he crashed. He he was down multiple times. I kept looking back and feeling like wow, he's way back there again. You know, so I don't know if he okay. I crashed a third time or got caught up with someone. But he man, he was way 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 back. Okay, because well, he went to the mechanics area too. Remember that. Okay, well, that's okay, so maybe two crashes yeah. in the mechanics yeah. area. That's so. what I was saying. So yeah, he went to the mechanics area because of front, maybe bent up front end or something, right? Um, well, what I'm wondering is, by the way, is he going to say, you know, when he crashed the second time, it was losing the front end. So I wonder if it was like the bike was twisted and that's why I crashed. And he's like, okay, now I got to go to the mechanics area and get this fixed. I'm going to crash again. Right. So I don't know if that was coincidence or not. It's all playing into Marty's hands. It's all playing into Marty's hands. Although, he only got fifth, JT. Marty only was Toto, though. Yeah, Marty, M- Marty wasn't great, was he? Marty actually no. rode well, but, you know, he started, I think he may have crashed in the first first lap or first turn. So, yeah, uh, he was riding pretty good, but, you you know, if you're 18th or whatever at the end of the first lap, it's going to be tough sledding right. from there. And with the big whoops, it wasn't a surprise. Mook, uh, Swiss Corps, Mookie killed him in the whoops. Yeah, I mean, I think that, just knowing those whoops from the beginning of the day, how gnarly they were and just getting everybody out of shape. There was three people that I saw really looked like great in them all night. And that was Tyler Bowers, uh, Malcolm Stewart and Chad, everybody else had uh, moments of struggle through there. And so not surprising, that's the yeah. thing for the two fifty class that was most surprising to me is Tyler Bowers in the main. I mean, he started 18th and he ended up fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he rode well. He could be the guy that next week is like the X factor and like really comes on and, and throws the monkey wrench for all of those guys that are battling for the title. Yeah, he he had his best race by far. Did you guys uh, – w- so Tonus crashing the whoops? 
or when did Tonus where did Tonus crash? Yeah, the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He got oh. he got kinda sideways and then basically got left into the tough walks and kinda wheelied into him. Um, we, we were saying on our show, like he really needs to just take home a podium or a top five here. Like get something. Yeah, it's just like he has that he has that tendency that we've seen from guys like James Stewart, uh, Matt Walker from years ago had this tendency too, is they they don't know when to take it down five percent and ride it out. Uh, they just they keep pushing and pushing and pushing until they either crash or win. Mm-hmm. And he just gosh for a guy that just needs a finish, he just needs some sort of positive result. You got to know that, like, hey man, I, I have no one behind me. Like he had a, they had a huge gap to fourth at that point, and he had just been passed, you know, for first and second. Yeah. So he probably is not going to beat those guys. Right. Just back it down. Just back it down a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's frustrating, and I have no vested interest in it. But gosh, it's got to be frustrating for him and his team and his family and everybody to watch that go down. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a unique podium again with Mookie Plessinger and McElrath. I guess so. I mean, if, when the season started, it wouldn't have been unique. I mean, uh, wow, well, with McElrath, we know yeah. that McElrath obviously was not a hundred percent coming in, but mm-hmm. it's not like these guys are unknowns. Yeah, um, it's just more unique of how. I mean, Bowers has been bad, and then all of a sudden he goes from basically 21st to 4th, and J-Mart was looking so good and things were so bad, and same thing for Hill. It's just one of the nuttier championships we've ever seen. And by the way, Mookie, this will sum it up. Mookie has been the most consistent guy, so that will sum up how nuts it is. (laughs) Okay, as I I said, I picked Mookie before the season, and I've always believed in him. So, um, yeah. do, do we? I, I was on. I've been on and off Mookie's bandwagon a lot in, in just four races. But do do we do we like Mookie to to win this title? Like, has anything changed in anybody's minds? Like, you still like Jmart? He's not. I mean, Jmart's seven back or whatever. Go for it, Weech. I think that sixth last week is all you really need to look at. Pulling off a sixth after what he went through last week, mm-hmm. that built so much character that one race, and you can just go back to that. If, for anything coming forth for the rest of this series, there's I don't I don't see how there's anything else he could come across that would that would uh, call on more of him to dig deeper than that. What do you think, Wage? Yeah, I I, I mean I picked J Mart and I, I try to just stick with what I pick because I think yeah. it's stupid to just change with the wind. Like if you're if you're picking something, you should pick it. But what this scares me is. I mean, we know that Jay Bart has had trouble with starts. Last week, the first turn crash wasn't really his fault at all. He no. had a decent start. Yeah. But this week, I mean, he was in the middle. I and mean, if you're in the middle of that first turn, anything can happen. So I guess that's the scary part. This could happen again. I don't think it's him choking or blowing it. It's just first turn crashes. But if you're 12th going into turn one every week, uh, this could happen again. So that's the scary part for me with uh, Martin. If he had a start solid, I wouldn't even be that worried at the seven points. But... Uh, he does not. He's not ever been a consistent starter. Yeah. Which is weird. Mookie's probably. How much more does Mookie weigh? You think than uh, uh, Jamart? A hundred? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah. Uh, well, the Geico bikes have been on point with their starts. They've been on unbelievable. point. Unbelievable. Yeah. They've been unbelievable, east and west. Yep. Um. Uh. Hey, uh, Swiss. You said that Hampshire was maybe not so stoked on Mookie after he won, and maybe because of a first turn move. Or what were you what were uh, you hinting? I know RJ wasn't happy. I can't say that it was about the first turn move, but I the first turn move is what I saw when 
because uh, he was right on the outside of Malcolm, and Malcolm pushed. He, he started high side a little bit, and that pushed RJ up and over. Uh-huh. So, I mean, right from the first turn, he was he was jacked, and that's what I thought he was mad about. Then I saw something else on Twitter from him that maybe it was something else that got him mad and he was referring to. But well, I'm curious, for Jeremy Martin, is a, is a hard, slick surface his kryptonite? Is that all it comes down to? Um, ah, first turn crash, man. I don't know. I, I feel like once you crash in the first turn and you're last, it's really hard to engage. Um, yeah, but I'm just wondering cause, because of the, crash, the he had up pretty good. Like, after that. He could have gotten a fifth out of it, I think, if he had not had that second crash. Right. Unless you want to yeah. blame the second crash on the hard slick surface, maybe. Yeah. Well, Marty, you know, Marty was pretty far back, too. Um, JT, maybe Hampshire was upset because uh, Gannon Audette beat him on a Legends and Heroes team. <laughs> no, I, I think Swizz is on to something there. He uh, he definitely got the short end of the stick on that start. And, yeah, it's, it's got to be frustrating. Spend all, you know, all week, all day getting ready, and then your race is over basically in the first 100 yards. What about what about Gannon Audette, though? Sixth place. He was solid all day, too. Yeah. I was kicking myself for t- pulling him off my fantasy team because I noticed him in the first untimed practice of the day. He looked super confident, and I believe Swizz even said something to me about is it normal for our dad to just go for the lead in practice like this? And uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah always leading all, them all, all day. Always, always our yeah, dad. We're always talking. About, yeah, we're always talking about our dad. It's incredible. We're always, <laughs> you know. Um, how come I never hear any silly season talk about the Legends and Heroes team, Weege? You never hear like, hey, Legends and Heroes picking up our dad. They're looking at uh, at Mookie. <laughs> yeah, I never but, thought of that. But in bits, right? That's a lot to live up to, though. It That's is. A lot to live it, up to. It's a huge thing. Yeah, legend. Uh, are you a legend or a hero? What are you? What are you going to be? <laughs> yeah, um, how do I get? Like, see, Way. Maybe Way could have landed. That would have been a nice landing spot for Way. <laughs> yeah. You need to have an older yeah. guy who technically had already retired somewhat. That would have been perfect. They should hire like RJ and Wardy and just come back. Just, just come. <laughs> just, just we're, we're back. We got RJ Wardy and Holshot Hanson. <laughs> I don't think Wardy. It would not be out of the question that Wardy would go for it. <laughs> would Wardy have to go? Would Wardy have to ride the road to Supercross though? <laughs> would they make? Would they be like, ah, Wardy? We're just not sure. We're not really sure. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, what else? Um, oh, did you guys see Grady Featherstone's move in the LCQ? Did that? Wow. Did, did you guys pick that up? I uh, tripled in traffic, just about killed himself and everyone else, and somehow pulled it out. With a name like Grady Featherstone, anything's possible. Oh, weed, right? That was crazy. It's like, yeah, that was. Um, it was like throwing the football into like four defenders and hoping <laughs> it was a hail mary. Basically, it was a hail mary of oh, section. He's lucky that, yeah. <laughs> Um, Nick Way uh, didn't ride the heat. He had motor issues, so they swapped the motor and uh, came out and put her into the uh, LCQ. And he said he still had some issues with the motor in the LCQ. So, fifteen. Way made two in a row, right? Yeah, yeah. Didn't make Daytona and uh, and came back two in a row. Let's just say that he's got a really big incentive to get in the top ten twice. He has to get into the top ten twice in these last few races, and it, it's uh. It's a nice payday, so That's I'm a big re- ask. That's a big ask. I, I'm I'm really cheering for him to do this because uh, it should be a really cool thing if he can make it. But I'm with JT. 
This is tough. Uh, unless, he, yeah. unless he was ninth, Bogle, Seeley, Grant, you know, he's got to beat those guys. That's uh, 10, 10, 11, 12. So. He's going to need help, I think. From what I've seen out of him and his riding and just where he's at right now, he's going to need some help. Right. How about Alessi with a ninth, though? What was yeah. what, what was he was pretty quiet on the broadcast. JT, what you you notice or? Uh, yeah, I mean, good start, which is you know staple for him. And then uh, he was just putting in solid laps. He stayed out of trouble and didn't get in any. You know, there was any of the drama crashes and people flying everywhere. And you know, with the flat tires, that helped him too. He um, he did not look good in the whoops again, but no, he, but he was he was consistent. decent. He wasn't yeah. crashing. Yeah. He wasn't making big mistakes. He he was rode within his limits, right. which I think is, is key when the whoops are that nasty. And uh, I, he's just solid. Like he's good in those conditions when it's a little bit slippery. He's you know technically sound, and, the, and the, the good start was really more key than anything. You know what's crazy? Weege is like he's one of the older guys out there now. That's what's crazy about Mike right now. You don't really think about that. No, no, you're right. Um, because when you think about the guys he came up with, so to speak. Okay, for example, Villapoto is now retired, second year right. of uh, uh, retired basically. So. Uh, yeah, and he was ahead of Dunge, you know. Um, well, believe the hype was 2004. That's a long time ago in racing terms. No, it's. It, I was thinking about that when I showed him a little bit on TV. I'm like, he is now. How old is? How old would Mike be? Well, Mike told me. 20, I don't know if I was to say this, but Mike told me at Daytona that he thinks next year is his last year because he's going to be 30. Two more years, basically. We so do you, you, you. Your theory about Stu and mileage it also applies to the 800. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's ridden a lot of laps. That's he's been a lot of races. And right. He's been hurt a lot. <laughs> not much downtime. You know what, though? <laughs> he he is keeping it low-key. There's not – everyone loves the memes and everyone, you know, and the tickle thing, and, and, and he's certainly – it's been a low-key for a year for 800, and that's not and that's not a bad thing. And he's uh, 14th in the points. Um, so, yeah, it's just – I don't know. One of those weird years, but he's doing what he's doing. So, I just almost don't want to ask. Um, down in Daytona, I was actually hanging out with. Uh, there's a doctor in Morgantown who we know pretty well. He's one of Davy's buddies. He's actually the one that put Mike's kneecap together when he got hurt. He didn't do a very uh, good was, job. He didn't do a very good well, job. Yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> we had a good laugh about how much worse it was after you know two weeks later. How much more of a do. Yeah, he couldn't get that kneecap to heal itself in 11 days. Terrible job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when he started running through, like, you don't think of Mike as like a, a stew as far as a wild winter crash. Oh, my God, go on YouTube and find these epic endos. But when you start adding up uh, Mike's career, you're like, wait, man, he has taken quite a few hits. Um, mm-hmm. when I, think, I, I don't even want to ask some of these guys. Well, you know, what's it like to get up yeah. in the morning? I don't want to even ask that. And in, in the case of Red Bud, he took 39 hits. Right. That's four careers so, all in one race. <laughs> yeah. And there, if you remember Daytona last year, he was just done. Like, right. He was just laid out for, yeah. for a while. That's a good point. You're right. Um, I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, that was a hard hit. Yeah. That's what I mean. If you really start thinking of Mike, you can think of 10 or 12 whoppers. And then you're like, man, what does that feel like every morning you get up and have to go for a jog or get on the bicycle or whatnot. Hopefully it, he'll I be. I think arena crosses, that's like the morning ritual with 39 hits, no? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, anything else? Anything else? Uh, Alexander Fry, what, crashed out? He crashed early. Um, he's been a surprise, but finished dead last, so I'm not sure what happened. Crashed twice. Yeah. Uh, crashed twice in one lap. He crashed on the oh, okay. 
with another rider after the um, the triple that was closest to the first turn, and then got up and went about it, went down the next straightaway across the start, and then went did a front flip in the whoops right after that. So he crashed twice within about 100 yards. Hmm. Rough, rough. Yeah. yeah um, the second one was pretty ugly. He crashed really hard. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess the last thing, yeah. Um, once again, Josh Grant couldn't really help himself. I don't, I don't know what it is about Grant. I mean, he's not a fan of me, and I'm not a huge fan of his. But, you know, we saw the interview that – would Eric Johnson do that interview, uh, Weege? I think Eric he, yeah. Eric did it. And, you know, monster he – Monster yeah. Grant yeah, – monster, monster Kawasaki rider. Eric Johnson's got the scoop. He, he goes, Kawasaki was stuck with Will, otherwise, you know, kind of insinuating otherwise he would have been there. It's like, come on, Grant. You know, there's nothing to be gained by that. No, and it goes to the point about him retweeting that uh, he was a better choice than Weimer after he congratulates Weimer on the RCH ride. It goes back to Justin Brayton at Honda saying that Brayton got the ride only because of muscle milk, which was not true. I think in the same interview he said how he's faster than Andrew Short. It's like, man, just be a little humble. Like you, you were out of the deal. You got a factory ride for the rest of the year. You know, because of because of a problem with you know, I assume a friend, Will Hahn. Just to say, like, ah, yeah, they stuck with Will. What? Why does he do that? Nothing to be gained by it. Why does he do that, Weege? It just bugs me. I think that's, you know, I'm never going to criticize the guys too much. I feel like there's so much criticism of riders being robotic and not giving anything interesting and not showing personality. I, I just can't come down on dudes for just telling you what's on their mind unfiltered. If that's, I mean, I'm, I, that's what he thinks. Whether he, it might not be nice, but that's what he thinks, and he just says it. So I know, I but know. you know, just things like that. Like, yeah. Well, oh, I agree. It, it's 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 a douchey move. There's no doubt about it. But just be like, you know, you just be so like, yeah, you know, about the lack of personality that I can't yeah. come down too hard when someone actually does it. You know, just be like, yeah, it's unfortunate that you know my buddy Will uh, guy to get hurt, but it's an opening for me, and you know, I'm going to take advantage of it, like something like that, like whatever, like why do you, you know. I know, I know. Wilbur wasn't exactly stoked, just like you know, um, Weimer wasn't stoked on the tweets, you know. So, but who does that serve? Yeah. Is what I, that that was kind of what I was saying. Is who does that? Who does that help? You know, it doesn't. Yeah, you've got the wrong. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you <laughs> you you nailed that point. You know what I mean? Everybody just kind of like, and eh, you really need to say that, you know. And then the riders, other riders are pissed. And yeah, just, I just, uh, I just, I don't know. Well, all yeah, right. it's so douchey that it yeah, almost comes down to like social ineptness. Like he doesn't even realize that it's douchey. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You no, know, I, just... I, I think it's for him. Like, he's got a chip on his shoulder or an axe to grind or whatever you want to call it, and he's going to let everybody know. Like, I was a better choice, but I got screwed. And I was a better choice for this, but I got – like, I think that I think he's clearing the air of, of – you know, okay, the Brayton thing apparently wasn't true, but if that's what he thinks, like, I think he wanted to know, everyone know, yeah, I was a better choice, Honda wanted me, but, you know, hey, I got screwed because of the sponsor deal. I think that's what he thinks. Almost like it's a, almost like he's fueling his own fire of that that common rider belief that they got to tell themselves whatever they got to tell themselves. Yeah, they on the top. Of I the agree. Game. Yep. Yeah, yeah, maybe I think that's what it is. Yeah, no, he is. He is one of the more candid interviews. There's no doubt. You know, he's not a robot at all. He's but things like that yeah. where you're just like you're bagging on your fellow riders a little bit, like when they're beating you, you know, or whatever. Um, I just is that insecurity? Uh, you think? I don't know. You think? Yeah. Oh, I, JT, you think Josh Grant has an insecure bone in his body? Dude, so, sometimes. I don't know. That's, that's what how, I'm asking. I, that, right. But typically, that kind of behavior is, is born from insecurity. I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying it's in yeah. this case, but usually yeah. it is. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree most of the time. But I think in this case, <laughs> this is what he feels, and he's letting everybody know because he feels like it's uh, he wants to get it off his mind. Like it would be, I, I guess, this way: if you. The day Mathis finally does get fired from one of his jobs for going too far, which we know that they will come someday. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Hope I'm actually going to fire him. You will come. I'm, I'm sure you will like to use one of your 100 other channels uh, to explain why you feel you were wronged. And I think that's what this kind of is. Yeah, I know, but you could just, you know, yeah, yeah. Wilbur's on the sidelines with potentially a pretty serious injury once again, and, and he won't be back at Cowie next year. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that, and I'm pretty sure Will knows that too. Um, mm-hmm. But just to just throw it, throw some more dirt on the on the grave, let's say. I, I just, I'm like, well, come on, man. Anyways, whatever. There's no need for it. There's no need. There's no need. Anyway, I agree. Yeah. I agree totally. I'm not endorsing it, but like I said, I can't yeah, yeah. come down on the dude right. when we complain at the robotic. So he went too far the other way for sure. Uh, well, hey, that's uh, we're, we've gone far enough here. Swizz, great job on the post race stuff. Love it. Love that coverage. Um, really killed it. The bar is high. You got me in trouble on Instagram with their Twitter with a bunch of Jeff Alessi fans, and you didn't get any interviews after the race. Wait, you did get one. As you got JT John Knowles on the pulp show. <laughs> you you got John Knowles. Jeff Alessi has fans. <laughs> you did get John Knowles. <laughs> Out of all the guys you got, you spoke to John Knowles. Oh, I got uh, one other one that was actually pretty good but i just i was just like i'm not going to post one post race interview so who was it lars <laughs> lars and john knows everybody <laughs> i don't even know what to say why don't you post the lars yeah. just post the lars one take everybody off maybe your back I'll, you know maybe i'll tweet the lars but the john i feel so bad for Knowles cuz it's like I could tell he he thought I was just saying what's up and wanted to talk. And when he saw me get my phone out, the look on his face was like, but, <laughs> like, I, please, somebody, I want to pass out. Take me to the hospital right now. I, I do not want to do this. John Knowles does not want to be interviewed. Especially, let's no. see, did any Scott Riders make a podium? Uh, n- no. No? Yeah, it, w- it was a bad. It yeah, was a bad no Riders on the podium. Sure. So Knowles was already writing a Walmart speech. At that moment, well, especially yeah. after his candid performance on the Pulp Show, yes, exactly. Yeah. When he was when he was so crazy, <laughs> throwing so much out there. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, Swiss Core, uh, Jason Wygett, Jason Thomas. That's been the Racer X Online uh, Detroit Supercross Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank See you. Ya. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part.
Clark for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 hey,